Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. Welcome back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, may likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at FansWorking. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms including Anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82designs, 482designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82designs, at F-O-U-R, 82designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's a light years better than our first one. Also, it divides the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. It's the Working Fan Podcast with the man to call Dave, AJ Strangebrew, and one returning special guest, Pat Oates. And we're here to talk about SummerSlam. The thing, the, the thing we'll never see coming. This is true. <laughs> never saw it coming. I don't know what it was. <laughs> yeah, I know. They, they even used that after a backslide tonight. We're not going any particular order here, but there was a backslide into Drew McIntyre, which I like. I that, too. That was so but, like, never saw that come. Well, you know, maybe it's been a while, but... 19, 1960s wrestling at its best. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, why use the two most popular finishers in wrestling right now? Or maybe of all time. Let's do a backslide. You never saw that coming? No. Boring. <laughs> Wait till you see all the memes now. The backslide out of nowhere. So... <laughs> I watched this last night. I was at a friend's house. I uh, I just caught up with the rest of it. I saw up to Dominic. I saw Dominic Mysterio and Seth Rollins last night. I saw all that. I actually I thought Dominic and Ray was Dominic and Seth was the best thing I'd saw at that point. But I think you're at, at that point. Yes. Yes. Oh, maybe. Yeah. So, so at that point, up to that match, that was probably 
Yeah. I would still say Oscar's first match was better than it, but yeah. the story was better. The story. The overall context thing with all the all the Gaga they had to throw in. The eight million people had to show up, and then someone they couldn't even determine was was it his mom? Was it just his stepmom? Was it just a lady? <laughs> what was it? Was she the gardener? Like who was that woman? What? Like, why has Ray aged so much more gracefully? I know he's got a mask, but he looks so much younger than his wife. Like, what is going on here? I like, think it's great that they borrowed Diamante from AEW and brought her <coughs> out. Definitely not Diamante. <laughs> but he's missing an eye to show that he's aged. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He does have the eye problem. Sight, still yeah. The smallest, still the smallest guy in his family, though. Yeah, well, that's... Still uh, the worst actor in his family. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's not changing. No, Seth... I will not go in there. I cannot. Like, why is he speaking? He's he's so talented, but he can't speak. Every answer is that nerd kid when you would make fun of him as a kid. You'd be like, get a life. And you go, I know. No, you are, but what am I? Like, what are you, Ray Mysterio? Why can't you talk? <laughs> I thought I was watching the worst Telemundo ever. <laughs> I thought this really did show... Buddy Murphy in like, ooh. <laughs> I thought Seth really showed, like, what he's capable of here, though. Seth definitely was the glue to kept this together. I mean, obviously, Dominic, it's his first match, so it's what it is. Not bad for his first match. I mean, he definitely I held his own. I appreciate the storyline. Yeah, it was, it was great to see. It was great to see David Flair, <laughs> but I, he needs to go to NXT. He needs to really work on this, and then we'll see him in about ten years. Yeah, well, he needs to go to NXT, but David Flair—that's another. He's ten years better. He's ten times better than former, David Flair. Former right? U.S. champion. David Flair was the shit. <laughs> it was a better first match than Randy Orton's. It was a better first match than The Rock. Mm. It was a better first match mm. than a lot of generational people that have that push in there. Way yeah. better than Flair's. It oh. wasn't one of the best ever to debut in any way, but they built it so... It, it, it told the story that they want to continue right. to tell like, for the rest of our lives, but it does suck that Buddy Murphy is so talented he's just standing mm. there handing sticks to people and going, here's your handcuffs, sir. Here you go. Here's your table, sir. <laughs> two guys outside the ring who are probably... I mean, I love Seth, but maybe as talented more than the two guys in the ring. They were just standing there. Buddy Murphy showed exactly what he could do in his matches with Aleister Black, and the fact that they're wasting him now is absolutely an asinine. I, I don't know. The story's going on for so long, I have to feel that it's going to have something to do with Buddy Murphy and Seth. That, that, uh, they're doing something with it, but I think they're going to build this until COVID's done to do something more and just let it mm. sit for a long time. I can't imagine he's just now the lackey without a reason. Mm. Uh, and I have to say you were right Asuka and Bailey was very close but Asuka and Sasha after I watched that I really enjoyed the continuation of that story and that scary powerbomb sunset powerbomb Asuka took from the floor off the apron that was brutal looking I don't know why yeah. yeah. I don't know why you're bringing that up when we had that great catch-as-catch-can match between Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. I thought you were going to say Mandy Rose in the table. I thought Mandy Rose in the table had a pretty good match. <laughs> I never thought I'd say this, but there's somebody worse than Dana Brooke. Mm. Yeah. It's Mandy Rose because, I think because they actually are putting more in it. Like Obviously, Vince just likes blonde. thick blonde women. We know. We know he likes thick blonde women. That's his thing. But now, they're trying to make Mandy look like Trish. Like, they're making her makeup look like... At times when she turned her face was getting headlocks, she looked like Trish in a way. But they changed her out. They've done that. Her whole thing was she was this goddess. She was sexy. Trying to make her with Odin. This whole thing is dumb. This whole story would work with people. This doesn't work in the Thunderdome. It's the stupidest thing 
Oh. It doesn't work in front of a bunch of Matt Catrums. It doesn't work. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about this. When we had you on the last time, we talked about this. This is the one thing we differ a little bit on. I was kind of more of a fan of the NXT extras. You thought it was a little too phony and too contrived. I got that. What do you think about the Thunderdome now, though? <laughs> Where are you landing on that? It's like, you know when you make a character in, in the video game, and like when you first bring it out, you build your bit, you do the whole intro. You make the pyro, you do all that yeah. stuff yourself. Every intro seemed like that. Like It was like Cole was like doing the script that's part of the video game. They're coming out. It was so weird to watch. Okay, I watched it at home. You guys watched it at home. Yeah. Did you clap and cheer and move like this a lot? I no, obviously not. That. Yeah. But so they bad. All did that. If you watched at certain times during, it was during the Orton match. Yeah. A woman was mouthing out loud, "Let's go, Seth." Right. Let's. Yeah. I caught. I caught it. I rewinded it. So they were like flipping pictures around and doing stuff. It was weird. It was cool to hear an audience again, but it was it was very strange. And I would have rather had the eighteen people behind hockey glasses. So here's the thing. Go ahead, I think, just had, I, I think they just had all the writers for the WWE and just put them on TVs. I so, can't believe that those are real people. So here's the thing. Two people came out on another podcast I watched. They were actually part of that Thunderdome thing. And I guess, no surprise, there is a director. And at times, they'll go on and they'll go, uh, like I say, here comes the Street Profits. Let's bring that energy. Let's see those hands. Or here's Randy Orton. Let's give those thumbs down. So it's like they are trying to control the narrative obviously of what's going on there so it's like a studio audience yeah exactly exactly so <laughs> i mean that's what you i'm not surprised you know that's kind of like their mo for years unfortunately so one thing i guess though one guy said that his kid loved it and his kid wants to get into thunderdome now so maybe from like a little child's perspective you know they're gonna get some you know something out of that i guess i don't know by that Why is it the thunderdome Yes, right, yeah. right. Especially when you can't hear anyone. How is that thunder? Well, especially seeing that WCW's other show was thunder. Right. Yes. <laughs> Why are you the thunder dome? And it's not really a dome. It's a small arena. Right. It's the thunder arena. Yeah, what does that I don't mean? get it. Why isn't it the virtual universe or something with the word universe? You call yourself the wrestling universe. Like, you're done. Why isn't it that? That's who we're seeing. We're seeing a sea of that. That's what it should be called. The thunder dome just sounded dumb anyway. And it really was like everything we've watched. Watching at home, it didn't change anything for me. It just was, it, what it did was, it made me miss some moves hmm. because I was literally looking at dumb heads in the back. Right, yeah. right. It was distracting at times. I saw a Pikachu show up. There was, uh, I guess there was a thing that came at one point during the show. It said Fire Velveteen Dream. And then that thing was gone. And uh, oh, that That's going to be gone quick. Just, but you're inviting that. Like, when you bring these people in, and especially if you're trying to tell them what to do, you don't think you're going to get that backlash. I mean, that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to last, because they're going to want to control it, and people are just going to, they're going to troll this thing. Can I ask you guys a serious question? This is just something that I feel of over the weekend. WWE needs to stop pairing their big events with NXT events, because the NXT events are beating the shit out of their regular events. Mm. Pat, did you see any of Takeover? I watched highlights. I'm gonna be. Watching. I'm actually gonna watch it tonight. I didn't yeah. watch a lot. I did check out a couple parts of matches and stuff. I mean, I thought Pat McAfee. We were talking about someone doing their first thing ever. Holy yeah. shit! Hunter, come on. No <laughs> shit. But that just proves one thing. You know, Seth Rollins. It just proves that Adam Cole can carry anyone and make anyone look mm. amazing. I mean, he's just that good. Seth did make Dominic look good. He's amazing. Mm. That's how good it works. Ziggler's that kind of way too. But Cole's at a different level because he's so much smaller and he can still do that. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's incredible. He definitely impressed oh, me, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, he cut a great yeah, heel yeah, promo. Yeah, yeah, he can talk. Up is cool, but to see Pat McAfee do that uh, flip out of the move, land on his feet, come running back up, and jump straight back up to the top ropes, it was just such athleticism. You don't expect that from an NFL punter. No. I mean, we're lucky, though. For some reason, all the wrestlers were ready to catch him. <laughs> Strange. Maybe you know, it just coincidence, obviously, that they would all be ready to catch him. <laughs> That's so odd. to hurt them with the body, but it's fine. <laughs> oh, thank God. But I know uh, you're saying, but right now, I think you have to keep pairing them up until we can split up. I think they were ready to split up. I think they were ready to tour. I think right now, people aren't top of mind. When I start posting things about, I'm going to watch this tonight or that, people are like, that's still happening? I, in our world, we're still watching it. But overall, they're not. So I think you need to tie a weekend into it. Because hopefully, if you catch one, you can talk about the other. Like, right. There was a reason why they put Keith Lee's commercial there. At the very end, before you get to the main event, to get you to go, who the hell is Keith Lee if you never watched NXT? Right. And you're going to look it up and go, wow, he had this match. He's coming. And, I mean, obviously, they're going to do with him what they did with McIntyre. They're just like, we need to put the belt on him quick to build a resume. So when he comes up, we can say... NXT North American champion NXT world champion so he has his resume so they can throw him right up there because he's built and ready for up there and, and I'm happy as can be for Keith Lee and I'm excited for what he might bring to the table because they're going to give him a shot in his size bracket agility I am terrified of what they will do with Adam Cole because we've seen so many great wrestlers, even Finn Balor, where they bring him up and all of a sudden Vince is like, what is this guy doing? He's freaking too small, too short. It terrifies me. Yeah, but Shawn Michaels wasn't in Finn Balor's ear. Right. But that, that's true. Shawn, and Shawn Michaels, we have a tendency thinking the same way and he does have more strokes so let's hope but one of the things we forget about Sean is he's this guy who's six foot two he's a, he's a bigger guy and he just looks small next to all the other wrestlers yeah but I think what Pat's saying what is, is they'll come up as the era but they'll add someone a yeah. bigger person somebody will heavy. maybe die jack maybe somebody else they'll put into where you, you'll have one size because Vince needs that but you have this incredible yeah, they have to be a group Sam Roberts has talked about it for weeks and weeks but like they have to come in as a group almost like NWO and never it always seem like a part where there's no real leader even though Cole's your best guy and they all know what belts they fight for but they can work in SmackDown if you get the belts off the people that have real fights that like you could continue thinking if Riddle somehow got the belt if Baron Corbin somehow got the belt and then the air is going after them you could build more stories and do it I, I think they really could but Keith Lee I'm afraid is going to end up on Raw with MVP and Bobby Lashley and they're just going to go no you're in hurt because you're a black guy and here we go that's how they think and I hope that doesn't happen I hope they just let him do what they do with Aleister Black let it build let him fight let people see what the guy can do how amazing it is and then hopefully when audiences come back that's when he'll shine yeah. yeah I'm afraid Vince is gonna bring him up and be like you're Samba Simba Jr. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're, you're Kamala's son who isn't dead <laughs> I always thought it was great that the WWE proved they weren't racist by having all the black athletes in one match I thought that's really nice that they, they let him shine by putting them all in one segment you know we don't wanna we don't wanna flood it the tough part for Vince is he's confused by Ricochet. He's not sure if he's black or not, so he doesn't know where to put him. He's, he's a superhero. He's yeah. a superhero, damn it. They're not black. <laughs> like, no, I mean, like, Street Profits, though, are black, and obviously that's his pandering because they're fucking awful. Yeah. They're the worst tag team belts I've, I've seen in a long time since the primetime players I mean like they're that bad like they're terrible I don't understand it one of them's an athlete I don't know what they're I don't care about smoke I know I'm an old white guy it doesn't matter but I, I love the New Day I, I 
can catch on the lingo. He's trying to rebuild something here. He's forcing it down our throats. When you make Kevin Owens trying to make them cool, a Canadian white fat guy is not going to make black guys cool. It's just not going to work out. <laughs> yeah, and, and the other problem with them is, is, and I hate to once again sound like the old guy, but they're not telling a story in the ring. They do these athletic moves, but they don't put them together so they actually make sense. They're literally just doing moves to do moves instead of putting them together and actually telling a story in the ring. So what was your favorite match? Because to me, I mean, I did really kind of enjoy the Drew McIntyre-Randy Orton match. It was slowed down. You know, it was different. Well, I mean, you've got two guys who are incredible. I mean, they, yeah. they're going to tell a story. I feel awful for Drew McIntyre. That yeah. was his first championship match in front of people, and it was screens. Right. He just, his run is going to be forgotten, and the guy was going to have a huge run. People were going to pop when he beat yeah. Lesnar. He would have held this. I was very happy he won it, because I figured by, no, we had that champion switch in either league since Wrestlemania and I was like they're gonna do something in summer and one of them's gotta change and I had a weird feeling they were gonna put it on Orin to let McIntyre change him to hopefully try to build more back you know that's Vince's all solved everything have the good guy chase the heel and Randy would have done well with that but I just thought they were trying to build a resume again for Drew when it's all done when the COVID's done they're like look what he's done if you haven't been watching look at all the people he's beaten but I thought that match was great I was disappointed in the ending, but it does tell me they're going to fight again. Yeah, that's what I think. This is going to continue, no doubt. My match of the night, I'm actually going to give it to the girls. I'm going to go with Sasha yeah, and Asuka. I think they actually tore the house down. They told a great story, not only between Asuka and Sasha, but between Bailey and Sasha, and where this can go forward between Asuka in the future with Shayna Baszler and with Bailey and Sasha with the pay-per-view next week. They led those stories to everything going forward and I think they did a great job no I mean yeah, it was that whole thing was built Oscar obviously is the uh, Japanese Owen Hart where it's yeah. like you're so good that you're gonna make everyone else always shine and be in the top matches but we're not you're just a vehicle to pass things along and that's what she is and, and she does a great job at it but she worked her ass off in two matches and is forgotten because that story's about Sasha and Bailey but by the way we've been telling that story for a year and when's the last time we've told a story for right. a year I, I really do enjoy that they've taken their time with it I love that Baszler's gonna get involved in it I love that they're gonna have that little battle back and forth because that's going to end up with Asuka. She needed to keep one belt so they could fight. We all knew that was going to happen. We knew they weren't going to lose both belts. I I don't know if if Sasha being a good person, a good guy, is going to help. Uh, nope, it wouldn't help Bailey. So I guess if one of them has to make the, the, the face turn, I guess it's Sasha. But they're both bad faces. They're yeah. both great heels. So I don't know what's going to happen. And we're going to do all this, and then Becky and her baby are going to be tag team champs whenever they come back. <laughs> or like Charlotte and Andrade will come back. Like, or something like that. It will be ruined because right now it's been beautiful that we're just focusing on the three or four really good wrestlers and is ignoring all the other shit that they have right now. Yeah, so I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, Retribution is going to be involved because there's, like, there's women in it, and it's like, so they're, they're going to attack somebody. And I don't know what that is, but that's weird. Were you surprised that Retribution didn't have more of a presence last night? I know the lights flickered a couple times, but they finally, security was apparently able to stop Retribution. Well, I guess the new thing is whenever there's a glitch or something happening, you just blame it on Retribution. So like when Mandy Rose struggled with the, the table, Retribution, don't worry about it. Like that's what that was. I wasn't surprised because once, whenever... 
that's the card that Vince always shows with Michael Cole bringing it up. He was telling you to watch Raw and SmackDown. Right. Yeah, that's exactly. If they, if they were going to show up, why bring it up? Let them just come out. Now, I thought they were going to come out in the main event because once they decided to do a match and not do some crazy set or something like that where Bray's been shining, I'm like, how are they going to make this fun? It's just two guys who are going to kind of do power moves, not in front of people. Power battles, giant guys need people. You need audience to go, oh my God, he's lifting them up. It doesn't. It literally went back to where we've seen Vince hug people in documentaries for the last two years, and then they came back. Like that was. It was a weird match overall. I thought that was. I thought when they went back there, I thought Retribution was going to jump one of them again, and then we'd get something out of that later on. Because you could tell Bray was going to. I mean, Braun was going to lose the belt, so I figured maybe they'll continue the story by having him fight off Retribution, and that's why he loses the belt, and then you move off somewhere else. But no, they did nothing. So there is some speculation that Roman Reigns and his new teeth might be uh, the leader. Of retribution, so we'll, well see. that's what I was going to go see with. This. Do you think that there? Yeah. Do you, <laughs> did you think at first when he came out it would have had more effect if he had come out with a hood, even though it would have been bullshit because we could clearly see nobody's the size of Roman Reigns that was in retribution. Yeah. But do you think that it would have had more effect maybe if he came out with the hood on and pulled off the hood and oh shit, it's Roman Reigns? I was just happy he wasn't wearing catcher's gear. Yeah. Yeah. He had a shirt on. He, you can tell it's going to be a new character. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a Roman Reigns fan. I like to watch him. I hate that he got. He didn't do anything wrong. No. I mean, the guy didn't do it. They just pushed him too fast, and people got mad because that's what the world does. And they loved booing him. They needed someone new to boo. Is Cena going away? I think he's a great worker. With, if you notice the little subtleties, you, didn't see, you said you didn't see the end when he was yelling at. Braun, he kept saying, I made you. You'd be nothing mm. without... I'm like, ooh, I like this. Yeah. I like the feeling of both of them. He's like, this is my title. You're just a freak. And then turned to the other one and said, I made... They did. They built Braun for him. Like, that's a Braun. Braun came up to be the big person for Roman to beat. And then people started to love Braun. That, that's, he wasn't supposed to be a big star. So I like... I don't know if he's going to be a heel, but there's going to be an edge. You know what I mean? I, I don't think he's a heel. Those teeth are heel. Yeah, they got heel. <laughs> even the t shirt that he was wearing, the t shirt that he was wearing said, Hurt everyone. Or, uh, yeah, wreck everyone. Wreck, wreck everyone and leave. Wreck everyone. Sorry, yeah. and leave. Yeah, so even his new t shirt is not, is more edgy than what he usually has Roman Empire. Well, I don't think that was a t-shirt. I think that was his cue card from the back, and he wore it. <laughs> like, what, are you, what am I supposed to do? Like, wreck everyone and leave. He's like, okay, I'll put this on. Like, no, no, I don't forget. <laughs> Stage left. Like, that's his new shirt. <laughs> Just make sure you smile a lot while you're doing it. What did you guys notice more of? Roman's teeth <laughs> or frog splashes? There were so many Ooh, fucking frog splashes. Yeah. It was insane. I, I, if you're gonna talk about Eddie at all, it can only be in Eddie's match. It can only be... In, why... First of all, Dominic Mysterio, you're a little kid. We all three of us could do a better 619 than he did. It was the <laughs> slowest, dumbest thing. It was like the Special Olympics 619. It was a bad swing. It was not good. It was like on a, you know when they had those tires on a tree and you're kind of trying to move on it? You don't really. That's what it looked. It was bad. His hurricanranas were bad. too tall and lanky to be his dad. Be different. You can wrestle differently. You know, it doesn't work. The hood was weird. Everything was odd about it. But my God, the number of frog splashes, the ones that the street prophets do, yeah, he gets in the air, but like, whatever. I mean, you have Kevin Owens there saying, you know, trying to teach him because he's supposedly a frog splash guy now because he is sometimes he's not 
running people. You had Sasha doing one. I think it was one in almost every match. Yeah, you, you said something it. there, though. Actually, I want to say something. Because even though I did say, like, we both agreed, everybody agreed, they told a good story. The wardrobe, that hood was a problem. I hope they don't keep that as his tire. He had to keep pulling that. That thing was going off. That was a mistake, whatever happened there. The mistake is being Dominic Mysterio. <laughs> right, right, I mean, right. Don't. You can't give them the last name Mysterio. I don't know. I mean, we all think they want. Most people, if you don't live in, uh, in America, Mysterio is on most people's Mount Rushmore outside of America. He's one of the greatest Mexican wrestlers of all time. He's, he's international. He's world. We're out. Take the name off. Yeah. Or put the mask on. You do one of the two. You wear the mask and you, you, you pay homage to your dad. Or you don't wear the mask and you're Dominic whatever. Or Dominic. Yeah. Or DM or whatever it would be. I don't care. You can slide to my DMs. I think it could be that. It could be his big name. He comes out. It's it should. They're going to compare him forever. And they were doing all that. Now Seth in that match again, wearing the wearing the uniform, the fucking costume from the match where Eddie said, "I'm your dad." Yeah. There's no more heel thing than that. And he even said it in the match. He goes, "You sure Eddie's not the daddy?" He yelled at him. Seth is a tremendous heel. He's a, yeah. He wasn't got a terrible face, but tremendous heel. That match. It, it told the story for Ray and Seth. Dominic was just a part. There was too many moving parts. Yeah. Way too many. You didn't need the mom gardener landscape or whatever she was coming out. You didn't need her. That Seth kind of going towards her. The handcuffs were too much. Mm. You know, look, look, oh my God, there's nothing worse than to unhandcuff your dad. Like, how many people do that? Like, it's <laughs> not like a thing we all know about. We all handcuff our dads. It was just weird. And the announcers were even lost in it. Because at one point, uh, Byron said, he's like, in, 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 uh, Mysterio can't do anything about it. It's like, no, he definitely can't. It's, there's no disqualification. He's choosing not to unless there's something. He definitely can do something. He can do whatever he wants. He can go, he can start right away. It's, it's just, it was so much going on. That, like, I'm like, oh yeah, he's missing an eye. Like, it, it's, it's, it's been a long soap opera. And it's got to end soon. But SummerSlam is supposed to be where things end. And that's why I didn't like SummerSlam continued too many stories for me. It's one of the big four. There was no huge thing besides Roman and his Chinese. To me, SummerSlam is always supposed to be, like you said, one of the big four. There should always be storylines that are ending in it. And it should be surprises and the beginning of new storylines, the next um, Raw. And they did none of that for us. It's all question marks. And it just didn't logically make sense. Well, we also have a pay-per-view like in a week, too. So that's probably yeah. <laughs> part of it. Yeah. Real weird. Yeah. It's, they wanted, I think what happened, I'm not going to lie, I think what happened was they have so much going on with Sasha and Bailey because they are, you want to give them credit, the two of them have taken advantage of this quarantine better than anyone else. They are stars of this. They've been amazing. You mm. want to hear their storyline when you watch them, their promos have been great. They really, they really rose to the top. It was Becky and Charlotte above them. It's not anymore. Those, no. those two have really finally, I mean, Bailey's found it in this heel character. I love her as this soccer mom bitch. It's fantastic. She's, she's yeah. great. Their humor together is good. It's got that old, like, 90 dark feel to it, but also it's modern as well, the way they're doing it, but they're not forcing it. But I think what happened is they got so excited about them that they, they put so many storylines in. They're like, wait, they can't fight three matches. Asuka can't fight three matches. Let's do payback next week. Yeah. And they're defending the tag belts. So here we're going to have something else they're going to be involved in, too. So it's like... Wait, wait, till, wait till Asuka has to fight a gauntlet next week. <laughs> To find out if she can fight against the NXT champion, who now will be Sasha and Bailey. But I, thought, I really, I thought Asuka, as, 
as a wrestler goes, Asuka shined in this again, but no one's going to remember it. But she was great in both those. Both her matches were two of the best matches on the card. There's actually, uh, it just aired the other night, too, an excellent documentary on Sasha and Bailey's match from NXT like four or five years ago. And again, you could already see the beginnings. They were shining as great wrestlers and different type of element. But like you said, they just evolved now into these other characters that are really just main event level players. See, I thought that was just... NXT, that, yes, that was a great match. It was a, it was a you know, top of the card and all that. But that was so forced down our throats to be told to us that it was a great match. Hmm. Kind of like when you're doing a lot of Daniel Bryan's matches, which I love to, but once he came to WWE, and they're like, this is the greatest match ever. Daniel Bryan, this is the great. I mean, it's the greatest rival. It's like, you can't just tell me two weeks later it's the greatest rivalry. I, I got to look at it 12 years later and look at it and right. compare it to other things. It's not, when they would do Kevin Owens and, and Sami Zayn, they weren't talking about back in the past. I don't want now. And I'm like, no, no, in the past, in ROH, all the places, that's when it was all over the world, it was great, not here. This, to me, Sasha and Bailey are finally what they're supposed to be now. I think it took Sasha way too long. They were putting her in things, but she would never, she never shined at the top spot. It was, it was the other ones that did. Bailey could not hang. She shouldn't have been one of the four horsemen. They had one good match, but now they're taking a lot of wrestlers are taking advantage of this. Orton's taking advantage of it because you have to be skilled on the mic and you have to, be able to tell a story in the ring. When you have no audience, and not many of them can do that. But people forget with Bailey, it took her almost a year after everybody else came up to even come up. Because because they were concerned that she was behind the other horsewomen and didn't belong with them. It took her that much time to develop, and when she first came up, she tried doing that happy-go-lucky, slapping the fans like in NXT, and it's not until now that they've let her go into this other character and this other state of mind that it's enabled her to finally be something productive on the roster. I want to just, Aiden, that was good fall. I just want to, before we end this today, I, just, I got a question for you because you have very interesting ideas. I actually like hearing you talk about wrestling, bring something different to the show. Who is your favorite wrestler? Like when you started watching wrestling when you were younger, like who was your favorite guy or girl? I was a little kid. It was Junkyard Dog, but I think I'm 45. I think all little kids just liked him, the music, the coming out, stuff like that. But I, when I really started watching, when I was younger, it was Owen Hart. Like, just okay. doing his own art. You start doing things on his own. I, I hated Brad. I, I really oh, him shit. Uh. <laughs> he was boring to me, and I wasn't a fan of him. Yes, he was obviously technical, but now when I'm older, I can watch old Brad matches and like it. Mm. But I did not like Brad at all. But watching Owen, Owen made me laugh. Owen made me watch when I started getting older before the, building up even before like the uh, Attitude Era he he and the King were the best heels there were and the King was Absolutely. the King was incredible yes. when he didn't have anyone to be the heel he would take on people and go I'll be the the mouthpiece I'll shit on Bret Hart's parents I don't give a fuck you know, there was one paper we went down where the King walked it was in Milwaukee and he did crowd work and he walked around yes. and he just had a mic and he walked down the ring and he started doing jokes about Goldust being gay then he turned to a lady and goes, you know what we're talking about. He just called her a lesbian, basically, with a mic. He just walked out and then just, and I think that was when uh, he was calling Jake Roberts a drunk. That's the people I liked, the people that showed me that. But, but for me, Piper was my favorite heel of all time because he told stories. In the ring, he wasn't the greatest, but I wanted to watch it because I knew he was going to lose, but I knew it was going to be entertaining and how he did things. Shawn Michaels is one of my favorites of all time to watch. Right now, I can watch anything with Tommaso Ciampa in it, and, yeah. and I'm happy as hell. I just love the way he... I mean, Gargano's rivalry is one of my favorite ones ever to watch. I love Adam Cole. And people that are up now, like I, I, I love watching Seth. I think Ziggler is always one of my favorites. 
I, I like Brock Lesnar. I'm one of the few people that yeah, like no. But I do like what he does. I, I do like the, the, he owns and stays where he is with that stuff. I enjoy a lot of the current <laughs> roster. You know, I we, love Jericho. So if you go over there, I mean, who does Absolutely. We, uh, we were talking about this before, me and AJ, that Brock doesn't get the credit for really getting it, too. Like, he helped put Keith Lee over at the beginning of this year in that Royal Rumble. Everybody still remembers, like, when Keith Lee came out. He sold for him before he even did anything. He's like, whoa, who's this guy? And the reaction, yeah. Brock has that reaction. It means something. People need to go back to 2002 and watch Brock Lesnar when he started and realize how good he was, how fast. And, and like, I, 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 I think I told you this the last time I was on, I binge watch every Raw and SmackDown. Yes. And I'm on 2003 right now. I just got up there. And we're just getting to the first long rivalry where Angle and Big Show are with Heyman and all that. And we just got Angle's new tag team there and everything. It's all to build Brock. But Brock's making Big Show look better than Big Show's making Brock look. Even the, Big Show has made, so, I mean, Brock has made so many people look better than people give him credit for. He's put mm-hmm. so many more people over. And just in the last few years when they had to, like, put the, the back on him because Reigns didn't do his job. I think he was fine, but they put too much on him to do it. So Brock had to be this guy, and everyone wanted to hate him because he wasn't going to be there all the time. But to me, he made the belt special by not being there. I don't like seeing the belt on TV every week. Right. I like seeing it once a It lets other wrestlers do things. It lets more storylines happen. Yeah. So I, I enjoy. I, I love Brock. Yeah, that, that kind of throws like me back. Yeah. When Brock wrestles, he gives legitimacy to the whole sport. He makes you nervous. He makes you scared. The person's in the workflow. When he did that bust open job on Randy Orton a couple years, SummerSlam. Ago, yeah. You. Yeah, you get scared that he's legitimately hurting somebody. So when he finally puts somebody over, it gets them over. And and you can't ask for better than that. Final question. One of the greatest SummerSlam moments is Brock Lesnar beating the shit out of John Cena. Just beating oh, the shit out of him. 100%. When he did that, and he gave him that, that's when Suplex City was born. And that was him making going, oh my God, Cena can't get beat like that. Oh my God. And, the, and Cena allowed that to happen. He, he was able to stop anything he wanted with the Golden Shovel then. And he knew that was good for business. That that was the big build there. But he was, I mean, Brock, Brock made that so realistic. You're like, I think he's hurting it. Brock's the only guy besides Samoa Joe where you're like, oh, I think he did a move on his own. And you know they're not doing a move on their own. Mm. I cannot wait to get Samoa Joe back. He is one of the people right now that can help the raw product, and we need to get him back sooner than later. Huge Samoa Joe fan. Yeah, where do you put him? Like, everybody's just tiny. They're just AEW Jr. on Raw. <laughs> but to me, I think you got to maybe bring him over to SmackDown, but he's one of the few people who can actually make you nervous for Seth Rollins. That's why I want him in NXT. I want to do one final I question. Want to, I want to watch Cross versus him. I want to watch those oh, matches. Yeah. I want to watch oh. Thatcher and him. Go down there. He could be a monster that helped them out, but he's they're, they're never going to put him up at the level he needs to be where they've proven that. He's never going to. So put him down there and let him do what Finn's doing down there. Yeah, I'm sure that you've seen spoilers bad. already. I'm not going to spoil anything too big for you. I know oh, I know everyone that won. I know everything that happened. I just didn't all, watch it. All I'm going to tell you is what Cross does and how scary he is with that hurt shoulder to be able to wrestle the way he continues to with a man the size of Keith Lee. Uh, Cross is the future. He's absolutely amazing. Yeah, hopefully the injury isn't too bad, though. So we got to see what happens there. But and I'm really shocked that NXT being part of the WWE 
Huey, and I know it's you know different story, but your point, whatever they could want to say, they 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 let people that were stars other places continue to be stars right away. Right. They do build them so they become their own in a in a way. But like if you look at the people they keep pushing up and, and going with, it's incredible that they just do that. They used to always break that down and go, no, no, we need to start you from scratch. It's your other stuff that doesn't count. You've never wrestled before. They don't say the league, but like my God, for him to come right in and be right into the thick of things, I give them credit for that because they never stop having top matches. There's always five, four or five matchups that you can say could be the main event right next week. You can't do that in the rest of the rosters. We were lucky enough to be at Bloodsport with Killer Cross a couple years ago during the WrestleMania week. And we got to see that style then when he wrestled on that show. And luckily, they haven't changed his style at all. Thatcher either. Thatcher was on that show. Same thing. And he yeah. wrestles the same style right now. Yeah, but that'll, that'll be ruined later. Yeah, well, that. Thatcher, <laughs> they, they'll, they'll never do anything right with that. They'll just have him hang out with Drew Gulak, and they'll both be fun. We'll, we'll get excited for a week or two, and then they'll <laughs> take him off TV. By the way, can we bring that up so real quick? SummerSlam? Sure. A lot of people were not on this on SummerSlam. Where the fuck's AJ Styles? There's so many people that need to be. You brought Matt Riddle up. Why is he not up there? Mm-hmm. Why Jeff Hardy is back. Why is he not there? I know you're only doing three hours now and you're doing all that, but they need to be on the main event. They need to be on SummerSlam. Mandy Rose and fucking... So, by the way, if you have anything, Sonya Deville is quite the worker. Sonya Deville is a very... For somebody who hasn't worked that long... Really carried that fucking match as best as anyone could, but she's not the vet in that. Really, she carried the match. I'm gonna give you guys a theory on Sonya Deville real quick, and it might sound crazy. I don't think she's leaving the WWE. No, I right. think they're gonna have her actually transition into a dude. <laughs> Sonya Deville. They did a video right afterwards yesterday where the person asked her, how do you feel about what just happened and called her Sonya Deville and said, don't ever call me that name again. I think they're going to have her transition. Mm. Yes, Sonya Deville did leave the WWE. I think whoever she comes back with is going to be as a dude. I hope it's blackface. <laughs> oh man, that would be the heat you need to get people to watch. You hear that transition to a black man? She's Al Jolson. She's just coming out going, man, man, fight people. Oh, I've watched that forever. I can't wait till the writer's room where somebody has to explain to Vince why we can't do that. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> we can do it. Get Jacqueline. She's a black man. It's like, no, it's not. She was never a black man. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I would watch it if she if she does that. If they could do it right, that would be great. If they could do it right, I thought she was going to be part of retribution. Hmm. I, I mean, there's she's a female, there's a female in there. I, but the reason why I thought that was because they talked about the shaving of the head at first, well, which would be going in that direction. Well, and then I'm like, wait a minute! Now they've changed it to leaving the WWE and not being able to wrestle as Sonya Deville. Well, there's that's why my mind thought there's more to that story you i'm not sure everybody i'm sure pat maybe you heard too they uh she was stalked and there was some guy that was stalking her at her building basically the guy had like duct tape mace and he basically admitted he was going to kidnap her so they basically advised her don't cut your hair and maybe you should take some time off and be off of tv right now yeah i'm gonna go with the transitioning you know you probably have it down pat what the fuck do i know (laughs) 
like, we're worried about your safety. Do the match at SummerSlam. Right, right. And we'll protect you. Like, yeah. if you're really yeah. worried, cancel the match no one gave a fuck about. Right. Oh, by the way, <laughs> Otis and her doing the worm, fuck you. We know that. We know that. that worm, her worm was so bad. Yeah, that's actually the first three. One of the people, uh, I think it was Joe, said to me, he goes, how the hell does Otis do the worm better than she does? <laughs> That's okay. And how does it have more buoyancy? <laughs> how, does, how does Otis not come out after Roman Reigns destroys Bray Wyatt and cash in at that moment? He well, no, you can't cash in on The Fiend. The Fiend will still rise up. I, I get that one. <laughs> yeah, right. But now they're going to have to just get that case away from him. With Roman back, right? He's, I think Roman's going to fight him for the case or something. I don't know. Because if there's no audience, then why does the, the fat, lovable guy have the case? You need, you're not going to make him a star. What I want is another, another person I wanted to see. You have Big E as a singles guy now. Why yeah. is Big E not? Big E, they should have a, he should try to challenge Otis for that uh, that briefcase. Imagine Big E walking around like old school NXT Big E now, proving himself, you know, showing the giant chest, pulling the straps down, showing yeah. those giant coming out and, 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 and wrecking people. Uh, you could do something. There's so many people that should have been in that besides a couple of matches. But overall, I enjoyed the pay-per-view. Yeah. I, it wasn't terrible. The main event was dumb. It was just because it was set up for Roman. But I, I they're not making The Fiend special enough. And he's, it's one of the most coolest characters we've ever seen. And they're not, they keep dropping the ball with it. And I think Braun's going to become his sidekick out of this. I, I do. I think it's going to be, the monster's going to be with him now. I don't know. It's going to be weird. Apparently, that you'll never see it coming, though, is once again the WWE trying to get Roman Reigns over. <laughs> we never see that coming. It's never happened before. <laughs> oh, I thought it was Kevin Owens wearing a Street Profits t-shirt. Because <laughs> I never saw that coming. Before we get out of here, uh, favorite SummerSlam match of all time? Oh, jeez. Uh, I was just talking about that. It's going to sound cliche, whatever, but it's Bret Hart against the Bulldog. I mean, Damn just right. Just because it's Wembley. But I also love Cena, Daniel Bryan. That was good, too, yeah. Because that match was really the build to everything that happened. I mean, it, 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 with Daniel Bryan, it really started that. But to me, that match, really, they put him on that final spot. But to me, you can't take away from that moment in Wembley Stadium. And the Bulldog finally getting his chance and everything. I thought that, that match was just incredible. And he did it on crack the night before, too. So, I mean, you know, God bless him. He did a lot of crap. Damn right he did. He deserves some respect for that. <laughs> if your favorite WWE moment at SummerSlam doesn't involve Zeus, I just can't be down with it. You know what? All right, Kamala versus Undertaker is my favorite moment of SummerSlam. <laughs> On that note, I think we're going to end this, guys. <laughs> Pat, why don't you tell people where they can find you before we get out of here, though? Oh, you know, just find me on YouTube, put in Pat Oates. I've got all my Pat Oates podcasts on there, my other podcasts, Podophiles, you can sign there as well. So just go on uh, YouTube, find me. And guys, thanks for having me on. It was fun. Again, you said that I, I crammed like studying for a test, watching SummerSlam <laughs> right before we got on. And I'm going to now actually enjoy something and watch NXT later. So. There you go. <laughs> Pat, I hate to hold you to the fire, but would like to get you to do this with us maybe um every time we get a big one maybe I'm in, we can get I'm in every time I, I, listen if Absolutely. it's just not you guys I'm just bothering people I know that don't watch wrestling do you okay. see this like we don't know what you're talking about so I love doing it with you guys November there it is <laughs> there you go guys alright everybody it's the Working Fans Podcast and time for another segment of Dave versus AJ with special guest today former guest of the show he's back Mr. Poetry, Mr. Wrestling, Jake St. John. Jake, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you guys? Awesome. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show, sir. <laughs> hey. Yeah, thanks. 
Adrian, back. Adrian's in his car too, so we'll do the best we can with that. If he, uh, we hear any screeching or anything like that, then <laughs> we know he's been drinking again. <laughs> okay, those neighborhood kids need to be kept awake. <laughs> Kamala versus King Kong Bundy. Who was the better big man? First off, the time we're recording this, Kamala just recently passed away. I just want to say, doing a little research about Mr. Harris, he was maybe not the best wrestler in the world, but boy, he really knew how to play this character. A character that probably wouldn't really be good in today's world, but... I don't think it would be. But, but he really did really well with it, and I guess that was the point. I guess Jerry Lawler, I found out, had a lot to do with this idea, too, and told him, I don't want you to do anything that resembles a wrestler and move out there. I want you just to act like you're a savage. And I'll throw this. One little quote we got for Kamala this week was from our boy Scott, who said that he voted for Kamala because Kamala legit scared the shit out of him, and he thought he was a cannibal. The man ate raw chicken. So <laughs> You know who his first manager was, right? Tell us. J.J. Dillon. That's interesting. I did not know that. They did an they did an That's angle. Right. They did an angle with Jerry Lawler where he was having JJ Dillon bring in somebody to attack him, and this was the mystery person JJ Dillon was supposed to bring in. JJ Dillon never physically went there, but he would come in and do vignettes taped in Florida where he said, I've got somebody coming for you, and Kamala was who he had coming for him. Mm. Now, Jake, when we talked a little before this, I think you were leaning towards Bundy, but it was very close. Where are you with these two guys? Give us a little background on what you're thinking here. So, I agree with Scott, where Scott said that Kamala legitimately scared him, mm -hmm. because to me, as a kid watching King Kong Bundy, thinking I want to be a pro wrestler, King Kong Bundy splashing me and breaking every single one of my ribs was the one thing where I was like, maybe that's not something that I would want to do. Right. So, <laughs> Bundy, Bundy legitimately scared me too. Kamala, as far as the character, like you said, I think Kamala had... For the time, his character was, I don't want to say amazing, being 2020 now, but his right. character was definitely different than uh, what was going on. I think he got a lot of, you can do a lot of things with him, especially with the face turn in the early 90s there. He went from being a cannibal to a lovable face. And AJ, you mentioned the early on with Kamala. I remember watching a vignette, I believe... It was in Texas, and I might be wrong, but I think Fritz on Eric shot it in his backyard in the woods with oh. like Kamala. And I, I remember that as a kid, thinking like, Jesus, this monster savage. It. So they, they're both equally scary. That vignette was shot in Texas. Kamala was part for a little bit of Destruction Incorporated mm. in our Akbar's group. And yep. they shot that vignette where basically every person in Destruction Incorporated had some kind of gimmick or stereotype of the day. Yeah. Um, so, so it'd be hard to hold that up today, but it was very well shot for the time. Dave, what do you got? Oh, so actually, I want to throw something out there. I don't know. I know there was those videos were in Texas, and he was obviously part of Devastate. What I just found out recently though in my research the original vignettes where you see all the like giant grass and everything and him coming out was actually shot in the back of Jerry Jarrett's backyard that was in oh, Memphis yeah, yeah. Well, well the Jerry Jarrett ones are the ones that we're talking about when we talk about J.J. Dillon Right. When we talk about him coming to Mid-South yes. when we talk about him coming down to did they um, use the same promotional packages though for Texas uh, and that's what they did, but when they sent those promotional packages on, those were the ones that were already
already used in their area mm. and then they would when they lease somebody out like Jerry Jerry would get money for leasing out Kamala to yeah. the Von Eric like Andre exactly mm-hmm. would get a percentage of the pay and he would one of the things that he would do is he would send out these vignettes to Texas as part of that emotional package now normally we pick a side we didn't really do that this time so we don't have to we're kind of having a nice little discussion here uh, AJ I'm going to ask you though who are you leaning towards? Who do you think is the better big man? I hate to sound like a dick, but this one's easy. To me, Kamala, much better career overall. Mm-hmm. I know that Bundy had a good three-year block with WrestleMania 2, but who has ever said to you, God, I really want to go back and watch WrestleMania 2? Well, <laughs> now, that's fair criticism, <laughs> but I will throw this argument out there. To me, at the end of the day, headlining WrestleMania 2 in that era with Hulk Hogan in that era is quite an accomplishment. And I, you, I agree with you. If you're looking at it from the wrestler's wrestler's standpoint of view or the hardcore fan's point of view, I get it. It's cartoonish. It's an era. We, but at the same time, man, I don't know. I'd like to have that on my resume. Like if I was just a guy, like, you know, a fan growing up, like, man, I got the headline Mania 2 with Hogan. I agree with you. Okay, but Kamala, even though he didn't headline WrestleMania, headline the Garden with Hogan, headline the Garden with Andre, headline the you Bundy didn't do that. Once Bundy had that one basic square block right there, yeah. it was a one and done, and that was just because Hogan needed big guys to be fed to him in that time period. Whereas Kamala, over basically a ten to twelve year span from eighty to about ninety two was considered legitimately a draw wherever he went. Maybe not 92. (laughs) That was a little more of a comical era where we did the babyface thing, Kamala, you're a man. Entertaining, maybe not a draw. started wearing shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, make fun of the guy for finally learning how to wear shoes. (laughs) Still trying to pin people on their back, by the way. Haven't rolled over on the stomach. I'm going to say this. My point behind it is is that houses that were drawn by Kamala were actually drawn by Kamala. I don't think any house was ever drawn by King Kong Bundy. Ah, That's arguable. I mean, the whole Hogan probably drew the house anyway. But I'll say this. Mike Flynn might have answered this best. He actually said he felt Kamala overall everywhere he went was had a more successful overall career. But that WWE run, Kamala didn't quite have the success of Bundy given that, you know, time period. That's a point uh, I was going to make too. To piggyback off that, King Kong Bundy, I think, could be one of those wrestlers that you talk about never really reaching the full potential because I, I could see him as a monster heel on top. Just similar to how Vader was Vader, uh... He was the Vader was one of the first heels I remember beating the babyface just queen when he be, when he would beat Sting for the title. Mm-hmm. Bundy, I mean, I, and don't get me wrong, I'm not putting Bundy in Vader's category. No, I know. But <laughs> for for the eighties, I, I think he could have had a run as as a monster heel, even even briefly to put over some new babyface slamming him for the title or something. But I, Kamala, I think I think he had a run everywhere it went. Bundy just kind of. Bundy was a good hand, especially when he had that that hair. thick hair on top of him in his career when he was a baby. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think Bundy, Bundy, somebody missed the boat on that. 
Yeah, you know what? Part of that could have been Bundy himself. I remember hearing a story that Bundy wasn't, I think it was during the heyday where he was way past his prime, obviously, but he came back, and I think he was going to have a match with Brett somewhere, and Bundy said basically to Brett, I'll put you over, but I'm not going to take that sharpshooter and tap out. I've never tapped out in my career. It's like, Bundy, it is a work. <laughs> You're not losing any steam. We're not going to miss the house. So maybe that could be some issues. <laughs> For fans who want to actually check out a good time period for Bundy, you should look up his AWA and Georgia work mm. because he was a part of the original Legion of Doom. Yep. So, so that would be a fascinating thing for people to actually look up. He obviously, at that time period, you had Jake the Snake Roberts, Bundy, and the uh, Road Warriors. That's quite a group of wrestlers to have in one stable with Paul Ellering. Yeah. I'm going to say, actually, my favorite era with Bundy that I've seen going back and looking so far, obviously, I grew up in the WWF Hogan thing, but I really love his Texas era with World Class. It's just that, looking back at it, you really, I don't, it doesn't really make sense that he finished up that run losing the Fritz Von Erich. You know, maybe you could have lost the carry, Kevin, losing the Fritz and then losing the actual title clean. I mean, that seems like a promoter was kind of like, you know. He, he may have lost the Fritz, but then he did go on to be in a movie with Richard Pryor. And uh, then I had a couple uh, couple episodes of Married with Children. So That's true. He, uh, Absolutely. When when you see Bundy on TV, the guy like he looks like a walking condominium uh, mm-hmm. trademark that. But when he was standing next to Al Bundy, I mean, I don't know if Al was bigger than he let on. I mean, he, he was a high school football player, but Bundy may have slimmed down. Uh, it was just an interesting contrast seeing the killer in the ring and then not quite as large as made out to be, but. Yeah. Uh, Apparently pro wrestling isn't always very honest, (laughs) it turns out. I want to say Ed O'Neill is like 6'3". He's somewhere in that um, bracket, so... Ed a black belt Uh, in jiu-jitsu. Ed O'Neill can hand you your ass, actually. Yeah, very, very very dangerous man. (laughs) Turns out. I think that's what they called him on uh, the show, the world's most dangerous man, Ed (laughs) O'Neill. Well, here's here's another interesting... We should have this conversation. Who's a better big man, Ed O'Neill or uh, whoever? Insert sitcom host here. Go ahead, AJ. You're going to say something. No, I was going to say another interesting thing about Kamala is the amount of people in that time period who went on to try to do a similar gimmick. Mm. And there was even a Kamala 2. And, uh, right. it, they Giant Uganda. Exactly. Yeah. They tried to duplicate this many times to get that fearsome thing. And I just don't think anybody ever pulled it off mm-hmm. as well as Kamala did. Mm-hmm. Especially since in the area that he did that, he had already at different times wrestled as, what, Sugar Bear James Harris? Yeah. So, so, so the fact that he was able to wrestle as this other character and completely convert what he was doing to this Ugandan giant gimmick and nobody go, wait, wait a minute, I know this guy. Mm-hmm. I saw him at the Quick Mart. It's an interesting... Yeah, and the thing, too, with James Harris, like, he grew up in a time period, like, in the 50s and 60s in South, like, Mississippi. And he had the idea... Very friendly towards African Americans <laughs> in that area. Having experienced racism himself, like, he was already kind of had this idea in mind. I think Lawler kind of approached them, too, and they put this all together. And that was probably why he was so good at playing this character. Kind of like, okay, you know, 
playing off stereotypes. He probably saw these stereotypes, and he, you know, I think he saw a National Geographic special or something. He goes, okay, this will scare the shit out of these people. Let me do this. And then Lawler, with the artwork, turns out Lawler was the guy who drew the moon on his stomach and the stars. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know I found that out. I was like, man. Which he usually only does with, like, 13- and 14-year-old girls. So it's <laughs> nice to see him come out of his comfort zone. And- Don't worry, this won't be on PW Insider. <laughs> Actually, it may be. Whatever. I have to edit that. All right, folks. So uh, this debate, what I counted up was I had a couple votes for Bundy, but I had about actually it's kind of close. I had four votes for Kamala. So I'm gonna just say my vote really doesn't matter at this point. But I'm gonna make it a little closer. I'm gonna lean towards Bundy. I think he had a better career because I just hang my hat on that Hogan championship match at WrestleMania 2. Mr. Crockett territory. AJ certainly doesn't want to hear that. I understand. I like watching NWA better too. Where was Bundy at Starcade? (laughs) But but the financial figures, I know what was actually the draw, unfortunately. So, for uh, special guests... Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Allegedly painted on those young girls. Sorry. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) So... For this week's David versus AJ with special guest Jake, we're going to say Kamala is a better big man. Feel free to write in. Let us know. And that'll be it for this, guys. We're out. This is a continental lover, Eddie Mansfield. 230 pounds of twist pill and sexy pill. You're listening to the Work It Bad podcast, brother. If you don't like it, just leave it alone. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave. And today I got a special guest, guy who made his name for himself in the territory days back in the 70s and 80s. He's worked with the likes of the Guerreros, Ox Baker, Jimmy Snuka. He's also known for an interview he did on 2020 that we've probably all seen a million times. He's also got a production company and is doing very well for himself these days. We're going to talk to him. The Continental Lover, Eddie Mansfield. Eddie, how are you, sir? I, do, I couldn't be better, brother. I'm, I'm doing well doing fine, staying healthy. Hope all the fans listening are staying healthy and doing what they need to do. Yeah, you forgot one guy, Scott Casey. Scott, oh, yes. Me and, me and the cowboy set record drawing in the great state of Texas. You know, I, I kind of rocked the wrestling world when I did, well, you know, when they blackballed me, you know, that Ole Anderson son of a bitch. <laughs> but you know something, when they take the food off your plate, you got to stand your damn ground. And in the wrestling business, they have no benefit, no nothing. But it's a billion-dollar industry. And you wonder why, you know, they, they, they can't furnish, you know, health care and a, 401, a 401k for yourself. You know, I did a, a podcast with that damn Bully Ray, son of a gun. Let me tell you, Bully Ray told me he was prepared. You know, he's so full of shit with the Christmas turkey. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When you go into wrestling business, you think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. But the bottom line is, it, don't, it doesn't take care of the people that make it the money. You know, he can, he can get his chapstick out and do all what he wants to do. But I'm, I don't have any chapstick. And I really, it, it really doesn't, I don't really care what they think. Because I've moved past that. You know, I had the third largest wrestling federation with the IWF. First guy to ever soundstage professional wrestling at Universal Studios. I had an actual production deal with Universal for almost 14 years. And that's that's besides the wrestling. You know, Universal, you know, took real good care of me. I have nothing to say but greatness for all the great people down at Universal. They were really good to me. But everybody else, they didn't get what the IWF had. You know, we had RVD, 
we had, I created the smoking gun. And, you know, we had, you know, Thunder Lightning. We had a lot of great oh, Yeah. And I created Kevin Kelly. I took him and put his little ass right next to the ring. And, and while I was training guys, you know, how to actually work. See, there's a bit, two ways to work in this business. Actual, it's all TV now. But back, back in the 90s, we still had to do TV and house shows. And now it's mainly all, you know, television instead of house shows. But there's a way to work TV and there's a way to work a house show. And most of the guys today, they don't really know the difference because they've never been taught. And not, you know, you can't blame someone when they're not taught. You know, they're just kind of thrown in and think they need to know. Well, that comes from upper management. You need to teach the guys the right way. But when I was working, let me tell you something, they wouldn't let you in a ring if you didn't know how to work. You know, it's just a, it, you know, I always say give the guys, you know, the benefit of the doubt, the young guys coming up now. Because, you know, the, the guys are good. The business is strong. And I think that it's going to be just fine. The rest of the business will survive. Anything. Believe me. It won't, it won't hurt it. I was, I was vindicated. I was pretty much. I tapped Vince McMahon's ass out that night. <laughs> the bottom line is, Dave, he came out and said, it, it, he made me look pretty smart after 2020 because he came out and said the exact same thing that right. I said. On 2020. Well, 100%. And I wanted to say, too, I mean, it's funny, like, everybody made a big deal out of this, but here we are doing a podcast interview, like, years, years later. If you had done that 2020 thing, I don't know, let's say, like, in the 90s, maybe later, I don't know if it would have been as big a deal to everybody else. I don't know if there would have been such outrage about it. Well, there was an outrage, all right. Oh, there was? I I gave them the highest rated show they ever had. I'm still talking about it. Yeah, they, they, well, everybody still talk about Eddie Mansfield. Right. You know, you swear I'm still working. <laughs> but but you don't ever see me do autograph sessions. You don't ever see me do... I did one autograph sign, and that was in Atlanta. Mm. Because they paid me. Greg Price, you can say what you want about Greg Price. He paid me. And he paid me well to show up. Because I don't care about signing autographs. You understand? I'm not going to show up unless you got the money. Because mm. I don't need you. You know, I'm kind of like RBD, who used to work with me. You know, if you're not going to pay me, I'm not showing up. And I told him that years ago. Robin Dam's probably one of the best workers that's ever been in the business. Oh, no doubt. Still going strong. And also, I would say, too, kind of smart. He's always had his head in other, like, things, too. He's always kind of had a little bit of this and a little bit of that going on besides wrestling, if needed. Yeah, well, you know, he's a smart guy. And one thing about RBD, I'm proud of him. Uh, he came out of the IWF and he went on superstardom. I told Rob, first time I ever saw him, I said, man, you're going to be a star in this business. I'm a superstar. He was my, uh, he was my first television champion with the IWF, RBD. When you look at where, you know, he started at Universal and that's a pretty damn good place to start, you know? And I mean, he used to do uh, vignettes with Marilyn Monroe and people like that. But most people, you, you know, they're never, they don't have we had. They, they didn't have access. None of the other, whether it was WCW who followed me, that was after they got kicked out of Disney. Hmm. Yeah, my buddy Tom Kennington told me, he said, I don't think these some bitches are going to last for very long over here. <laughs> and because Disney has strict rules. Right. And Universal has, has rules. Let me tell you something. Every one of my guys with the IWF, and that includes Kip Sock, Billy Ads, whatever they call him now. Yeah. 
they followed the rules. And he was so, Kip was so, I created Kip. He wouldn't be shit without me. And, you know, I don't walk around saying that. I say that very, very rarely. But I taught him how to work. He didn't know how to work. He knew how to do clotheslines and elbows. That's all they knew. Hmm. And see, that's what the business is back to now. Instead of really working, calling the match in the ring, they, they go over a match. I went to an independent show one time to see a friend of mine. He called me up, would you please come? I said, well, you know, I really don't do this crap. You need to understand that. So I went to see I couldn't believe these guys sat there and went over a match for 30 damn minutes, and they were only going 10. <laughs> and, and, we, and we used to get the finish. We never talked. You always did it in the ring, and that's a lost art. You know, I think AEW is, is, is really going to give fit to, to Vince. You know, I'm proud of Cody and Dustin and, and those guys because they're trying to do it the right way and bring the business back to where it used to be. You know, with see the boys, they're they're all vanilla looking guys. That's what's missing. You know what? What? All right, let me throw some names out to you. You're a wrestling guy. Oh yeah. What would you think if, if a damn Wahoo McDaniel showed up on the scene right now? Oh, I mean, Wahoo is this fucking tough as nails guy. I think we're missing guys like that too. You're right. Everybody looks the same. Everybody looks vanilla. There's not like some grizzled looking men, the tough guys, even some fat guys, some skinny, whatever. We just have all guys that look like they kind of came out of a fitness gym. Professional wrestling used to be the face of America. It had fat guys. It had tough guys. It had, you know, Indians, cowboys, plumbers, mm. working men. We had it all. And you had a, had a, had a continental lover. <laughs> and, and, I mean, you know, we'll bleach blonde hair. You know, Rick Flair wasn't the first some bitch to ever have bleach blonde hair. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> Gordon George got Gordon George started all that. Mm. So when you when you look at, you know, like uh, when I was in Los Angeles to draw all that money with Chavo Guerrero, I mean, they say I never drew money. Everywhere I went, I drew money. And that's one thing they can't. They cannot knock that. They can't. They can try. You know. When I did Vice Land, I don't know if you saw that piece. I did, yep. But that, yeah, that was the second highest rated show they had. Okay, the, the first one, I didn't kill anybody. Right. <laughs> you know, Chris Benoit killed his whole damn family. And I and I knew Nancy, you know, from uh, Kevin Sullivan. All right. But anyway, you know, you know, Kevin wouldn't open his mouth on this that, that deal. And he should have stood his ground. He should have he done the interview. And he just... He just, just washed his hands of it. And so, but then, you know, you, you had those, the Ricky Morton. Now, Ricky Morton's probably five foot seven or eight. You know what I mean? Yeah. You had that Dutch man pal, that ass kisser from Tennessee, who, who never drew any money anywhere. And how he got in the WWE, he kissed old uh, Jarrett's ass, and Jarrett, the old man, got him in up there. He didn't last long, did he? Nah, he was a cup of coffee. <laughs> Yeah, buddy. No, he didn't, the damn coffee wasn't even hot. You know? <laughs> I mean, his, his old tired ass, he wasn't so bad. He, you know, he hung out in Memphis his whole career because he wasn't working crap. He couldn't come to a, a, like Southwest Championship Wrestling like me and Scott Casey did. Started off me and Wahoo McDaniel, Ivan Utsky, and guys like us, we popped that place, me and Scott Casey. We were selling out everywhere. And that's because of Wahoo McDaniel. He was a booker. 
and me and me and Wahoo, we would we would set that thing up. Tully Blanchard didn't ever draw any money in Southwest. Even with I'm the guy who told Wahoo to tag Tully and Gino together. That way, me and Scott Casey had a top spot. That way, Wahoo and Butsky could work with them. Him and Chavo could work with them. You see what I mean? Yeah. So you got to be smart in the business as, as well. You can't be stupid. You know, you go into the locker room these days, you see guys who actually believe that they're beating people to get these belts. Mm. That's, that's what I think. Yeah, no, I I just saw something. I think it was Al Snow or somebody uh, was talking about, like, somebody made a comment once, like, you know, they say, who you ever beat? And he goes, well, the same people you beat. Nobody. He's like, we know who's going to win beforehand. And he was saying sometimes some of the wrestlers would give enhancement guys more, like, $100 or something because the show, like, thankful for doing the favors. And, you know, something, those guys should be paid more than, than anybody. Mm-hmm. They're... I used to call them, you know, not job guys, they're star makers. Right. Without those guys laying down for you, and a lot of those guys go whoop other people's guys' ass. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And so, those guys, a lot of those guys, they got jobs because they were vanilla looking like these bastards today. And the funny, yeah, I was going to say, and the funny thing is, too, I've, I've had some of these guys on the podcast, and some of these guys are like the best talkers. You would never know it, but they didn't get the mic time. But then you get them on here, and they can talk up a storm. Well, that's one thing I could do is talk, man. <laughs> you know, I hear you. <laughs> it's like, it's bottom line is, I could draw a crowd. I want to ask you that. You know, were, were you always a good talker, like even before wrestling? Was this something natural? Talker. Yeah. Yeah, I was always a good talker. You hand me that microphone, buddy, I'll light your ass up. Hmm. And you either got it, you have it. One of my guys, I'm not going to ever call his name, okay. but he was one of the Dynamite Express for me. Let me tell you, when I was teaching these guys how to talk on television, and there's an art to that, I was teaching my guys in the IWF, you know, how to do promos, literally. And Bill Lawton, you know Bill Lawton, he's a famous photographer. Yep. And he brought his camera down, I mean, you know, video camera, and, and I was having all the guys, you know, Kevin Kelly interview them, where they get used to being on television. Because... You know, all my, the majority, all my IWS guys never was on television, had never done any interviews. And I told them all, I do, the Dynamite Express, he got so, that camera scared his ass so bad, he had to go back and throw up. And that's a true story. Wow. I'm not going to tell you which, I'm not going to tell you which one it was, because I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But he came along, but he finally I used to have to tell those guys, I said, look, you gotta, you gotta look at the top of that lens, and you gotta look at that camera like it, it, that's your best friend. Mm-hmm. So you're talking to hundreds of millions of people each week. And I said, you gotta make that camera your best friend. Did you love? A lot of guys don't do. Huh? Did you love being a heel? I feel like you must have really loved being a heel. I can see this. Well, hell, man, that's all I was my whole career was a heel. Right. You know? I thought, this fellow told me one time, he said, man, he said, boy, you can piss somebody off in our office. I said, well, they used to pay me big money to do that. <laughs> I said, I said, he's like, I give a shit if this guy didn't like me or not. It didn't hurt my feelings. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I, and I was the top in, in the entertainment business. Yeah. I take no damn prisoners. You know what I mean? I take no prisoners. Yeah, I was looking at that. You have a very successful production company, a lot of TV shows, Mansfield Productions. How did you come across doing that? What happened there? Well, when I got out of wrestling, I went to New York. 
and I was broken in the, the television business by really the, the true Mr. Monday Night was uh, Rune Arledge. Mm-hmm. And for Monday Night Football and Wide yeah. World of Sports and many other things, you know. And he broke me into business. And he taught me the right way. And, you know, for your listeners, I'm going to tell you a, a business terminology that Knowledge taught me years ago. If a deal feels bad, it is bad. Mm. Get up, shake the guy's hand, and leave. Walk out the door. But you got to have the cojones to stand up and leave. Because if the deal really sucks, 99.9% of the time, it does suck. Right. That's good advice. If you've ever learned anything from Eddie Mansfield, believe me, do that. Hmm. And you'll be more successful than if you sat there and took a shitty deal and make somebody else rich. Yeah, I wanted to ask you too before we got out this too. Was uh, you were like obviously a really good heel. What was some of like the best territories like in terms of like crowd reaction where you felt like people might want to kill you? Like you know, like where you're like okay, like was Texas, Florida? I was stabbed, I was stabbed seven times. Fuck. So, <laughs> yeah, and I think three or four of them were like three hundred. I thought it was a guy. I saw I caught that 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 so and so. On, on the on the on the chin, boy, her little fat ass went rut, rut, slid right on the floor up against the blisters. Damn, that was it. I'm gonna go put the boot. I looked at it as a girl. I said, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and so I had I had to go in. We they had uh, commissioners back then, so I you know we'd have doctors, and I had I had to get a tetanus shot. So I had a bunch of them, man. And I I got stabbed three times when I was the American heavyweight champion out in L.A. I got stabbed. Uh, when I threw my, threw my they, they tried to get me, they got me. And I had six cops around me. They stabbed me in, in the belt, you know, the leather belt, yeah. you know, that held the championship. Mm. Uh, so I couldn't believe it. But they actually did that. I can see why you wouldn't miss wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got, you know, when you, when you provoke people like, I used to get some serious heat. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I could get heat with just a normal guy right off the street, I could damn sure crank it up a notch and get real heat. Mm. And that's what I used to do, you know. From throwing out, you know, tortillas, you know, you know, talking about the Mexicans and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, dancing around a sombrero doing the cucaracha. And so it's like, stuff like that kind of fires them up, you know. Right. And, you know, like we had a lot of, you know, Spanish people that came to L.A., and we had a lot of great crowds in, in Los Angeles, the Olympic Auditorium. I mean, that was a hell of a building, man, for wrestling. Oh, my goodness gracious. Mm. Yeah, we had uh, Dr. Tom on, and uh, he was telling a lot about his stories and stuff like that, too, breaking in around that time. Seems like it was a very underrated territory. Los Angeles was a great territory, man. Yeah. And I used to do the Cow Palace once a month, and then a couple of times I'd, be, I'd work for, that uh, thing was running some towns, and, and me and Chavo and Leroy Brown would go up there and sell them out. You know, like Modesto, Fresno, there's another town up here, Northern Florida, Sacramento. And we'd sell them out. Catch coming right off the cow palace. You know, we'd go up and do the cow palace once a month, you know, with Roy Shire. Do a couple dates and then go right back in and do, you know, Olympic. And, you know, it, it was easy. Man, I was on the beach every day. Nice. And on the beach. You know, I, was on, I lived right on Santa Monica Beach. It was great. You know, I rented a place from Joe Gold. Man, he was a great guy. We used to play volleyball against uh, Chuck Barrett and uh, Vern Langdon from the the Gong Show. Remember them? Oh, yeah. Wow. Chuck Barrett, man, 
he, he impressed me a lot. He used to have 12 different girls every day. <laughs> this is a wild time in the wrestling industry, huh? <laughs> hey, he was in the right industry, though. Yeah. You know, he had that gong show going. He was hot, man. He used to go to big parties up in Hollywood Hills and stuff. Oh, mercy, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no idea. <laughs> Let me ask you before I get you. I'm gonna do a little word association. I'm just gonna do like two names instead of you know throw a lot at you because they do this all the time. I just want to throw a couple names at you. Vince McMahon. Let's just start off with personally. What I I, I think about Vince. Oh, I admire him as a businessman. Yeah. I think what he accomplished in the world of professional wrestling will never be seen again. How he went about it mm-hmm. from uh, <clears throat> the first WrestleMania all the way to, to this one now in, in, a, in a COVID world and survive. I don't know him personally. I knew his dad yeah. a little bit, not much. But as a businessman, I admire him uh, for what he's accomplished. It's just uh, amazing. And my hat's off to Vince McMahon. I hope, he, I hope he stays healthy and keeps going strong. Two guys, I'll mention them both at the same time then, uh, just because they're part of that famous piece. David Schultz, and I don't know if you had, you had a lot of experience with David, but David and John Stossel, what are your impressions of them years later? Oh, wow. Well, David, uh, I, you know, David's a friend of mine, and always will be. David David really taught me a lot when I was, you know, a young kid breaking into business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he can say what he wants to do. He says shit on, on a microphone. You know, when he's got one about me, but then, then he'll call right behind me, you know, <laughs> and, and tell me, oh, Ed, you know, I you know, I just got to make it look good. You know, and, it, and that's the old timer in him, that's all. Yeah. You know, and, and David, I think the world of. And, you know, his whole family. I've known him since I was 19 years old. That's a long time. David got the host job, man. Because I told, and, and I, I hate to mention John Stossel in the same way that I mentioned with David. Yeah. Because I have absolutely no respect for John Stossel and the hatchet job he did on me and the hatchet job he did on David Schultz mm-hmm. and the hatchet job he did on the rest of the business. Because I'm going to say this for, until the day I die and this I want to make this the last time I really say this shit. Somebody ought to get this that they host me when I went to do 2020, they were supposed to take the, the business. And I told them back then it was a billion dollar industry. And they were going to compare it with the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, and the National Hockey League. And the way they take care of their players versus the way they, they take care of professional wrestlers who are professionals. You notice it said professional wrestlers. Mm. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. And Professor Russell's a great athlete. So they need to be treated with respect as athletes. But John Stossel made it a, a damn egomaniac story about him getting slapped. Right. And boy, he, he, let me tell you something. And I told you, if you ask some scripts, I told him not to interview David because David had nothing to do with this. And Vince McMahon was trying to get rid of David. And I knew that. Mm. And and Vince told him to slap John. <laughs> and he really wouldn't have had to tell him. He would have slapped him anyway. Right. <laughs> and so the bottom line is, is John South the guy that's come up and but how come he doesn't pay up two hundred and ninety eight thousand dollars? Right. And slap harder. Let me tell you something. I got I, I got slapped harder many, many 
than John Stoppard ever got hit. <laughs> and you know they didn't pay me no two hundred ninety thousand for getting slapped. I think it says a lot about John Stossel that you can watch a documentary, a guy twice his size slapped him in the face, and the guy that slapped him in the face was essentially the baby face to all of us. So I think that says a lot about John Stossel right there. Well, you know, I hate that people that don't like me, and they like me, I don't know why. I haven't done anything, and I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they're me and John Stossel. Oh. Oh, I think you broke up there. Oh, there you go. You are nothing but a little bitty old flying reporter until you latched on the mind hmm. and threw me under the bus. Oh, I, I went to the press of uh, ABC. And I told them, if they didn't back off the base, they killed uh, I think you broke up there, little Eddie. That was in the 80s. And I told them, I said, I was going to call a press conference, you know, at 4 o'clock that afternoon, if they didn't leave David Schultz alone. You know, mm-hmm. drop the suit against him and all that. Mm-hmm. And I was going to tell them the real truth about their story. The way they treated me and the way they set everybody up. That's what he did. He set me up. He set David up. He set the whole rest of business up. Thank you for doing this. Is there uh, anything you want to tell people, like what you're doing now and promote anything? You know, I, I have to sign a non-disclosure agreement, and I'm doing, I'm in the midst of doing three television series, hmm. back to back to back. I'm doing a, a Christmas special at the end of August, which is really cool. It's going to be really a good one. And then I have two two series to do right after that. So... And I can't tell you the names of those now. Right. You know, until they're released. You know, I'll, go, I'll come back on your podcast and, you know, give you the skinny after I shoot them. Oh, awesome. Awesome. You know, I got to kind of Kate fade them damn things or they'll, they'll, I'll lose my job. No, I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different animal. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm in the thieving business, you know. They'll still, you know, I sit down with these guys sometimes in the entertainment business, I laugh because I swim with the biggest sharks in the world. <laughs> And they try to get over on me, and I just laugh at them. <laughs> yeah, you. It's funny. I mean, it's funny. You know, because I've been, I've been in the ring with the best. I've been in the offices with the best. I've seen them all. Yeah, these guys aren't bringing nothing new to the table. You probably haven't seen it all in your business. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna run no. I, I just look right at him. I said, man, I I swim a lot bigger sharks than you. <laughs> you know, if you, if you don't want to get into the right deal. We just won't do a deal at all. Right. Walk away. <laughs> but that's the way you got to look. You know, you got to look at life. You know, this is no dress rehearsal I'm in. You know, I'm not going I'm not gonna come back, you know, from the dead. Once I'm dead, I'm gone. Mm. So I'm going to make the best of it while I'm here. And I, I enjoy life. I love people. And I love being around people. This COVID just, uh, you know, it's really tough on the nation. I just hope, you know, all the politics... Uh, aside, it, you know, there's politics and everything. It's just sad that it, it, it's hurting our nation like what it, it is. You know, people need to, you know, love other people a little bit more. Don't think you're some kind of damn tough guy because you can run a computer because you're really not. You know, you're just another asshole out there <laughs> that thinks he's tough, you know, with a computer. Keyboard warrior. <laughs>
That's what they are, man. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you grab them by the nap of the neck, they're going to squirrel like a little girl. You know? <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's no big bang. Yeah. Well, Eddie, you're absolutely a blast to listen to, man. I, I, I think you could have done this interview by yourself, but I'm happy you did it on my show anyway. Thank you so much, man. Well, you know, Dave, it's one thing about it's about the wrestling business. You can either talk or you can't talk. Mm. And and I got thousands of stories. Like I, I could keep you busy for the rest of the day, <laughs> but I, I'm just, you know, I'm honored that that you invited me on the show and. Anytime you need Eddie Mansfield, just give me a buzz. Will do. And, uh, and if I'm available, I'll be there. Awesome. And because uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a working man. You know, I'm, I'm producing my ass off, and and I really love this. Always remember this. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this with your wrestling fan. Okay. I didn't quit the rest. I didn't quit the wrestling business. It quit me. Hmm. So, but hey, I'm I'm enjoying producing. And I'm enjoying, you know, creating. And it's, it's been, you know, really a good run for me. I found my niche. I'm just blessed that I got good help. You know, oh, you know, I, I, I you know, I hurt, you know, every morning when I get up, I can feel them bumps, you know. Sure. But the bottom line is, I'm healthy. And that's the, that's the main thing. If you stay healthy, stay strong, and be good, man. And, and you got to keep moving. Don't let them get in your way. Step over them. That was awesome. I'm going to have you back on when I can. We'll talk stories and we'll set something up, man. I appreciate this. Thank you. Okay, Dave. Take care, my brother. fans welcome back for another week of the 531 where we take our top five list on a particular subject vote it down to a top three and then we debate it down to a number one that week this week since SummerSlam just passed we are going to do the top five SummerSlams. but before we do that we want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show 482 designs that is F-O-U-R, the number is 82designs, 482designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82designs, at F-O-U-R, 82designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's a light years better than our first one. Also, it's, uh, it's survived the washer and dryer first one here so far. Uh, they look good, and uh, they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But... That's just a quick little plug. That's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. Now, Dave, top SummerSlams. First off, I didn't get to sit in with you and Pat and AJ, but kayfabe be damned. We actually watched it together, part of it that night. <laughs> Everybody was exhausted. I, I think I made it a match after you left, like right after you left at the Dominic Mysterio match. I made it up right. for part of the Orton one, and then I went to bed. Yeah, that was ultimately. It sounded like most people's highlights anyway was the uh, Dominic Seth match, and I think that was due to uh, really good 
storytelling. That match, I thought they did a good job. You know, the smoke and mirrors, obviously. Dominic's his first match. But I thought that was the highlight of the show. It wasn't a bad show. Actually, you know, it was better expectations than I had for the pay-per-view. And it sounds like it was better than Raw, which I haven't seen yet, but heard things about. I don't watch uh, so. much of the main roster stuff, so I'm surprisingly yeah. enjoyed it. I don't know if it would make it onto anybody's top five list. Like, for instance, Jesse from New Hampshire had 92, 98, 2000, 05, and 2010. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like uh, 92 is going to pop up quite a bit. Some of the newer ones surprise me, but I mean, hell, I've got three newer ones on my list, or two newer ones on my list. Yeah, uh, 98 one that popped up, I see on a few lists here, too. So, oh, that uh, was, uh, what was the big feud that year? Was that Sean? That was, the, that was Highway to Hell. That's the one I actually went to with uh, AJ at the Garden. Um, that's the one where it was Steve Austin and Undertaker. And there's a spot in there where Taker ducks his head and Austin, like, kicks him. And Taker shoots up like a spot, like, you know, like he's going to, like, raise up and give him the eyes and everything. And basically, they collide heads. The back of Taker's head collides into Austin's head and jaw and knocks Austin out. Oh, wow. Now, so Austin was kind of out of his look that match. Yeah. Now, who do you have first for a list? I got Randy. Uh, he leads with that said SummerSlam 98. He's got 2002. He's got 1997. He's got 2011, and he's got 2013. 2013, one of the more recent ones. But if you look at that card, that's actually uh, Brock Lesnar. I wrestled CM Punk on that card, which ended up being a pretty good match. And then you had Daniel Bryan and John Cena, where uh, Bryan actually did win his first world title that night. They, they play it off. I mean, Bryan wins at WrestleMania 30. But technically, Bryan won it here. But he would lose it moments later because that's where Triple H would basically, who was the special referee here, would kick him in the gut afterwards, pedigree him, and then Orton would do the catching. And that started the whole authority Daniel Bryan feud, which went on to WrestleMania. Oh, wow. That's a major list. I'll bring you my list next because I've only got the two this week. I've got SummerSlam 92, 93, 97. And then I picked a couple newer ones, 2014 and 2016. 2016 mainly because of that Brock Lesnar busting open Randy Orton's head. But overall, 14 and 16 were solid newer cards. I don't think I have yeah, to say I, much more about 92 or 93. I think the uh, thing with the Lesnar busting up Orton's head is uh, was it was so legitimate looking. That there was an air of uncertainty. It was like, that was that a planned spot? Which is ultimately like what you want, right? You want to put that level of doubt in the, you know, the viewer's mind. You know, I like, go, oh, that's supposed to happen. And I thought they did a good job. So much so, I believe that's the one where we heard the story afterwards that Jericho actually confronted Lesnar and wanted to know what was going on. And I think Lesnar was thrown up against the wall and it was quickly broken up. But, yeah, that happened. <laughs> I got Mike Flynn, who's got uh, SummerSlam 2002. He's got 92. Uh, like I said, we're going to see that. He's got 97. 97 was at uh, New Jersey. That's where Bret Hart actually won his uh, fifth world title from The Undertaker. Shawn Michaels was a special referee there. He actually Bret spit on Michael's face. Michael goes to super kick him. He ducks. Gets Taker. Bret makes the cover. Shawn reluctantly makes the count. And then you got the feud happening there. Was uh, It set up basically the Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, 
It was like round zero match followed by a patron Michael that hell in itself. So a lot of legendary stuff kicked off with that. 2013 and 1998 roll out uh, the rest of my Nice, that is a solid list. And then we got our boy Scott from Volantown, who's got uh, SummerSlam 92, no surprise there. 2002, 91, 2098. Now, I think with 2000, now you've known Scott a long time, longer than I have. I've known him for a while too now. We're all friends. And I gotta say, knowing him the way I do, SummerSlam 2000, he probably had that one because of the stink face match between the cat and Terry. Scott, you dirty dog. I know what you did there. I want to say. I want to point that out, though. I got, I got to stick up for Scott. I don't I don't think that's the case, but who you know, knows? I Maybe he's... I thought you would do that. I was ready for that. So, Scott, <laughs> 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 right, I got that. He's got SummerSlam 98. 2001, he's got the original, 1988. 2002 and 2014. 2002 was an interesting one because that had Shawn Michaels coming back after four years to wrestle Triple H in a street fight. And that was an amazing match. That one I still remember. And that was also the one where Rock wrestled Brock. And that was Brock winning his first world title. And that's where the crowd turned on uh, Rock halfway through that match. Wow, I was going to ask you about 2002 because that's popped up on a couple lists now so far, and I couldn't remember what was big on it. Yeah, that was definitely I would have to say would be the big factor. And then I'm going to finish up this week, a little condensed version of 531. I got 92. Come on, Bret Hart, British Bulldog. It is the best SummerSlam match of all time. I believe that. We know your love of this match. We've heard how you back the Bulldogs training methods 100%. I mean, you know, I mean, again, the guy did it on track, okay? Something needs to be said for that. 91, that's where uh, Bret Hart wrestled perfect. I think they did it straight, though. So, I mean, you know, you do the best you can. 2002, we just talked about. 97 was the one in New Jersey I talked about with Undertaker Bret. That also had huge love. Well, with Nick Foley, Mankind, I believe, wrestling Triple H in the cage, he wins by the end of it. He's dude love, and he dies off the cage with a big elbow. Oh, wow. And after that, I think I just decided to put 2013 there because I really did like that Lesnar Punk match and the Brian Cena stuff. I took a quick list, and I've got 92, 97, and 02. Do you think there's one of these that should be replaced with the SummerSlam that's not in there? 92, 97, 02. Those seem to be the ones I heard the most. That's a solid list. I think you could argue 2013. That's the one we were just talking about with Lesnar and Punk and Cena and Brian, but you really can't. They're all pretty even. I think 92 is going to win this. It's jumping ahead here, but let's. Let's just put 13 as an honorable mention because it is a good one, but I mean. I don't know how you bounce 92, 97, and after what you told me about 02, that. Who's the first to go in this list? I. Really like that Shawn Michaels coming back after four years to wrestle Triple H. To me, that was the card. That was the show still on that card. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people remember, you know, Rock first title run and the fans put him on Rock. But to me, I'm a big HBK fan. Four years. Four years. We thought this guy's career was over. He came back and wrestled an amazing, amazing match. I don't know if it was four stars, five stars, 
we can look it up. But, so uh, are you that, trying to say that you want to bounce 1997 first? I'm going to bounce 97. I like 97, but I think 2002 uh, was based off the strength of those two matches we're talking about. I mean, I'll have to agree after. I mean, I'm going to have to watch 2002 later on today now just to see the hype. But, I mean, you, hot crowd. It's going to be a tough call between 92 and 2002, I think, because I've got such fond memories of 92. And like you said, the Bulldog did it on crack. So He did it on crack, Joe. It needs to be something to say for that. That's my vote. At the end of the day, I don't know if the rest of that part honestly holds up. But like a movie, you know, that's going, you're like, you're not sure, you're not sure if you like that. And then you just get this awesome cliffhanger. It's the greatest SummerSlam match of all time. It's threatened Davies' masterpiece. I absolutely love it. And as far as SummerSlams go, and you know, it's, it's Wembley Stadium. It was an international event. It, it gets my vote every Yeah, time. Bulldogs home. And Jesse will be happy because you hear the music. I mean... 92 wins and jesse said that not too often that he suggests something that actually ends up making it like he almost feels like he's an underground fan and jesse you you picked right this week bud and we hope you guys all keep listening and anybody that needs shirts stickers printed up that's f-o-u-r-8-2 designs they're on instagram at gmail.com check them out on facebook and guys we'll see you again next week all right so that wraps us up for this week thank you again for listening to the working fans podcast so as always you can find us on twitter at fans working our facebook page is working fans wrestling pod we have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also that's working fans wrestling pod at gmail.com follow us on instagram working fans wrestling underscore pod and then as always please continue to listen to us on anchor.fm google podcast spotify breaker overcast pocket cast radio public all your major platforms if you're following us on apple podcast which we are also on now and youtube please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating it helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week 